Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mind. I bet you come way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, good morning and welcome to Talk Money. We are glad to have you with us this morning. If you happen to be a first-time listener to Talk Money, I just kind of want to give you a little bit of an update, kind of give you some idea of what you're going to be listening to. This program... Talk Money is designed to give you financial wisdom, which is something we try our best to wisdom and knowledge, try to give you some idea of what we think as financial advisors here in the Memphis and the Mid-South area, and actually with um, about eight or nine different locations all over the southeast part of the United States, we're really trying to help you understand what you are listening to is guidance and direction. And Keith, you know, you're with me a lot, one of our regular co-hosts, and it's more like we're not trying to, I guess, pontificate on things. We're really trying to give just straight, solid information about financial planning. Absolutely. You know, when we think about that, that's not only just talking about the economy, not talking about the market or assets or diversification or things. We might give the principles of investing. We do that. And there's four, five, six principles that we live by. But it's more financial planning. It's more the starting from scratch. What does a budget look like? And then moving forward into the final part of retirement. In fact, on today's program, we're going to talk about some fundamentals about not being broke about, you know, retirement planning. Sure. Ways to not grow broke in retirement. Yes, with that focus on planning. So we're not going to make a a specific recommendation that you buy a certain product. We're going to talk about the theory, the why you do these things, the the logic behind it. And, you know, a lot of talk shows are are controversial. I mean, it's it's kind of political or maybe it's kind of uh, let's bash somebody or let's get into an argument. We're not that. We're going to stay, we hope, uh, above board, number one, and... uh, with a kinder and uh, a gentler mindset, you might kinder, say. gentler, and wiser. I like that. <laughs> that those are good words. <laughs> but I think we are trying to get good fundamental advice and fundamental right. direction when it comes to working through this maze. You might say it's it's really a tough area. A lot of people struggle with understanding about financial planning. Everyone's financial picture is different. Every client is unique. So we're going to give you some truths, some things that you can look to. And we look at it from a biblical perspective, financial stewardship. So we guide ourselves with that standard. And then we hold true to staying fundamental, but yet at the same time, giving you good advice. This is not simple radio. We can get into the weeds sometimes. We're guilty of that. In fact, today's guest, Bob Uh, (laughs) Dahl, he will spend some time. He keeps it at the 30,000 foot level, but if we need to, he can dive quickly. He does a great job of explaining things that are definitely in the weeds in a way that we can all understand. Absolutely. So we're glad you're listening to us if you happen to be a first time. And of course, if you're a faithful listener, as we have so many, for everybody, if you've got questions that you would like to ask 
us specifically, just simply send an email to us at talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. That's talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We will get your questions on our guest. Frequently, we have repetitive guests, guys like today. Bob Dahl is a guy that knew Nuveen Investments and well-known all out throughout the United States. We're very privileged to have him on. And he is a guy that will give us, will review his top 10 predictions that he makes every January. And he does a really good job with those predictions, and usually is more right than he is wrong. Exactly. In fact, greater than 90% accuracy. <laughs> Absolutely. But we had talked to Kurt Zarnowski about Social Security. We talked to guys about financial planning from a retirement perspective. A lot of different subjects, and subjects that you like because you've told us that over and over and over. The program is meeting your needs, and that's our objective. Stay with us, because when we come back, Bob Dahl, Nuveen Investments. Thank you, sir. Shoemaker is a registered representative and investment advisor representative of Securian Financial Services Incorporated, securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money, Talk Money will return right after this. Good morning. Right now we have a wreck on Broad Avenue at Scott Street. That's Broad Avenue at Scott Street. And road work will slow you down today on eastbound Highway 385 at Winchester. Crews will also be working on the westbound side of Highway 385 at Winchester. So just be aware of that. They'll be out there working until 2 p.m. This report is brought to you by Unbound. There's a girl in El Salvador who dreams of becoming an engineer. There's an elder in Uganda who dreams of having a community to call his own. No two dreams are the same. Help one person achieve theirs at Unbound.org. I'm Heather Yorker Traffic. On AM 990. This AM 990 weathercast is brought to you by Herbie Systems Residential and Industrial Lawn Care. Call 901-382-LAWN. With temperatures climbing into the upper 90s and heat index values expected to top 110, an excessive heat warning in effect for much of the Mid-South today, only a slight chance for showers to cool you off. We're in the upper 70s tonight, back into the mid-90s tomorrow, slightly cooler by Sunday. The Racquet Club proud to introduce their new wellness program, Live Well. Wellness is not a destination, it's a lifestyle. For more information, call the Racquet Club today. I'm News Channel 3's Todd Demers. Now back to Memphis this morning on AM 990. Take a second and think about the three most important goals or priorities in your life right now. At Shoemaker Financial, their team of qualified and experienced financial professionals is committed to helping you achieve these goals or priorities. From insurance needs to college funding, retirement, or estate planning, Shoemaker Financial is here to help you accomplish your long-term financial objectives. To learn more, visit ShoemakerFinancial.com or contact them at 901-757-5757. At Shoemaker Financial, it's not just the plan, it's the results. The views and opinions expressed are those of Bob Dahl only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Shoemaker Financial or Securian Financial Services Incorporated. 
Shoemaker Financial nor Securian Financial Services do not make any representations as to the accuracy, compliance, or effectiveness of its content. Helping you make the most of your money. This is Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. We have Senior Portfolio Manager, Chief Equity Strategist with Nuveen Asset Management, a frequent guest of ours, Bob Dahl. Bob, welcome to the program, sir. Good morning and happy Friday. Uh, thank you, sir. I appreciate that very much. We're looking forward to hearing something about your 2016 market update, your predictions that we talked about first before the program actually started. We were going through some of them with you. Again, you've got a good record going, as you always do. But before we get into that, you know, just recently we've seen the Bank of England cut rates down to almost, well, it is a historical low for them. And the pound tumbles. Well, I just want to get your opinion on that. This is this is troubling news to a lot of people when it pushes the currency down, I guess, almost 9% from the beginning of the year, from the beginning of January, or pre, pre-Brexit. And Keith and I have been talking about that. And Keith is uh, just anxious to hear your take on what does this really mean to Europe? What does it really mean to England? Look, I think, uh, Jim and Keith, that uh, in the Brexit vote, although, as you point out, the decline started before that, in the Brexit vote, the Brits voted themselves a recession. And when you have a recession, you generally need lower interest rates and your currency generally goes down. Uh, I think that um, they will, because of the trade importance with the Eurozone, that will nick the Eurozone. It doesn't push them into recession, I don't think. It just causes some, you know, slower growth from a region of the world that was already pretty slow, Jim. You know, we talk about that, and and one of the things Keith and I were looking at, you know, in 2008, we we bought, if you bought into an Italian bank or a a Greece Greece bank or any of the the EU banks or something, financials, I'm just thinking about financials, you really thought you were buying something okay. The difference today, if we were buying into the financial industry of Europe, the EU, you kind of know the ones that are sick or getting sicker or those that are doing okay. Is that the difference now that for us to think about between 08 and today? Yeah, I'd say that's one important difference. The other important difference is the level of interest rates. You know, back then rates were a lot higher than they are today. Uh, to exaggerate, they're zero today. And, and zero interest rates, I like to use the phrase, covers up a lot of sins and mistakes. And I, I think that's where we are. And having said that, Jim, uh, for somebody who wants to buy a bank, generally I prefer a U.S. bank to European bank. They're just better capitalized. And uh, the underlying economy here is not great, but it's better than there. You know, when you think of that, we've got <laughs> Goldman Sachs is under the gun. In fact, they actually have indicated that maybe that they're not going to be able to do some things that they had kind of said they would have to meet some deadlines, the Volcker Rule, which comes up in, in July of 2017, that, you know, where they have to divest themselves of proprietary product. What do you, or it's just things that they own, you might say, that, that the, the Volcker Rule has said. What do you think about that? Do you think now that they're, I mean, their first quarter, they said they were probably okay with it. Now they're beginning to drip. In fact, they actually did not disclose that, this last statement. Is that an issue for you? Does it, is that a problem, the Volcker Rule? Uh, look, I, I think that um, the Volcker Rule uh, is attempting to correct some of the problems that created uh, issues in the past, as you well know. And in my view, it's just gone a little bit far. Um, you know, <laughs> the, 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 the banks uh, and the trading operations of banks um, provided liquidity. 
And now those liquidity, including Goldman Sachs providers, aren't there to the degree they were before. And that's not great for markets. Liquidity is good for markets. So I'm not sure I think there's good work being done as a result of uh, that portion of the Volcker rule. Yeah, that's a good point. I think uh, I think you'd probably get agreement with both Keith and I, and I think a lot of people, uh, I would agree with that. I think the Volcker rule's put a lot of um, restraints. It's, or, it's always demands. the un- unintended consequences of something that it's sounds so, like a good idea. Good idea, but it puts a lot of demands and kind of put it in the real world. Well, I don't want to waste our time. We're interested in the top 10 that you are always good at. You predicted in 2016 that it would be a frustrating rule. Let me give a quote that you said. We described 2016 as a year that would likely frustrate both the bulls and the bears. Um, I think that's what you said in January. I think that's coming to be a very true statement. So let's kind of go through those top 10. Bob, you always do this, and you've got a great track record with it. It's always fun to kind of go through what you're thinking. So I... We'll kind of guide this and hope, you know, we got some breaks we got to take, but I really want you to take your time and just uh, give our listeners some update. And the amount of wisdom that you have in your little thumb is a lot more than Keith and I have in the studio. So we're listening and uh, we'll stay with you, man. That's very kind. That's very kind. Uh, uh, forecasting is always a fool's game, as we know, but you got to call them like you see them and you get some right and you get some wrong, Jim. There you go. Number one, you said the U.S. real GDP remains below 3%, nominal GDP below 5% for an unprecedented 10th year in a row. And you are on track, sir. Yeah, sadly, we'd love to get that one wrong. We'd love to see the economy bust out. But the point is, for an unprecedented 10th year, growth is slow. Growth will remain slow. That's not all bad especially for financial markets, but there are, as you know, all kinds of reasons why this cycle has been the slowest on on record. And uh, that is likely to continue as far as the eye can see. We've averaged 2.1% real GDP since the recession ended uh, seven years ago. And I think, uh, you know, we're looking forward. We'll continue to average uh, two. Some quarters will be one, some quarters will be three, and we'll average two. Bob, you know, I caught a headline the other day that said President Obama would be the first president in history to have never had a year of 3% GDP growth. So is uh, is this something that, I mean, is this the new normal as far out as we can see, or are there changes that we can make that would encourage growth? I know we're going to get some changes one way or another in November. So, I mean, is this what we should face uh, just, again, into the foreseeable future? Is it the norm? Right. Is it the norm? Yeah, I don't think we we, we are uh, destined and have to accept two. Uh, I'll be simplistic. If we could wave two magic wands, magic wand number one is some smart tax reform, corporate especially, but I'll take individual as well if I could get it. I think that would give us potentially another half a percent of growth. The other magic wand, some smart regulatory reform. We talked about the Volcker rule. That's only the tip of the iceberg. If we could have some smart regulatory reform, that could give us another half percent growth. So using my simple arithmetic, Instead of sitting here talking about two, we get those things done. We could be talking about three. And the difference between two and three is enormous when it comes to two things. One, corporate America's ability to grow their revenues and therefore their earnings and therefore employment. And number two would go a long way to solve some of the income inequalities we have here in the U.S. 
If you just tuned in, you're listening to the Senior Portfolio Manager, Chief Equity Strategist with Nuveen Asset Management, Mr. Bob Dahl. And he is a, a, just a great guest of ours and does a wonderful uh, thought process. We're walking through his top ten predictions. And so, uh, you know, I'm going to write those two down because a lot of people are talking about, well, we'll never do 3%. I, and I, those two simple return reforms changes the playing field. I'm going to write that down, and I may write down Bob's name in November because that is so straightforward, but addressing income inequality, getting growth back on track. I like it. I like it. Number two, uh, we said that the U.S. Treasury rates for a second year, they would rise for a second year, but high yield spreads fall. And we're not quite – it just hasn't happened. There's reasons. Correct. We're, we're going we're gonna to likely get that, half, that one half right. High yield spreads to get the uh, good part right. Um, have fallen. No question, high-yield bonds have outperformed treasuries and uh, rates have come in. But overall, um, interest rates uh, have, uh, in my view, defied the imagination, continue to go go down. If I had to give one reason why, it's low slash zero slash negative interest rates outside the U.S., which provide a push down in rate uh, cover for uh, interest rates everywhere in the world, and that's not going to turn around most likely anytime soon. You know, well, well, go ahead, Keith. Well, no, I'd say, and Bob, we saw one number, and, and tell me if I read this right, but that the the yield on the ten year Treasury note closed in July at one point three six percent, which will be the lowest closing yield ever. And if that's right, what does that say about the economy? Yeah, so I, I think uh, the great question. Uh, it, it, the low, by the way, in July of 2012, the prior low was 138, so it beat it by two basis points. <laughs> I think it doesn't say much about the economy. I think it says everything about negative interest rates outside the U.S. If the U.S. economy was pro- uh, 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 heading in the wrong direction, the stock market would not be an all-time high. So, uh, uh, you know, low interest rates does mean growth isn't strong, but does not mean the economy is flagging, in my view. And the jobs number, even this morning, pointed that out. Let me ask this question. Let me uh, now. This is going to put it in a simple term, and you may say that's totally wrong, but I'm willing to be told I'm totally wrong. <laughs> Won't be the first time. But is that kind of a saying? If nobody else can pay you a good interest rate, I don't have to pay you a good interest rate. Absolutely. Is that absolutely? I, I think there's truth to that all over the place, and it is among the reasons the stock market is, has done well. You all know because you have clients. The search for yield is incredible. Unbelievable. It, it, unbelievable. And, and, and I think to jump ahead, this, this is taking, uh, taking instruments with yield to very high valuations relative to interest instruments with no or low yield. Uh, and, and so that that is the phenomenon that uh, – uh, it, 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 books will be written about in this cycle. Wow, that's great. Well, number three, you really talk about the fact that the S&P, you predicted the earnings make limited headway as consumer spending advances are partially offset by all the dollar and wage rates. Now, let's talk about that. That one, you're on track. Yes, sir. Uh, earnings gains, sadly, have been pretty anemic. In fact, for the first half of 2016, we're just completing the second quarter earnings, and Earnings were down in the first quarter about 5% year over year, and the second quarter looks like it'll be down about 1%. So things are improving, uh, but they're still negative, paving the way, importantly, for positive uh, earnings growth by a modest amount in the second half. But we're still struggling with the year over year uh, issues related to the oil price and the value of the dollar. That was the culprit. Uh, for the earnings recession that we saw, the trough of which was first quarter. 
But you're optimistic that we'll finish. We'll finish. Okay, wage rates. A lot of people are talking about wage rates. That's becoming a political thing. Why aren't we seeing wages move up a little bit? I mean, they did. They have somewhat, but not like what we would like to see. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I think people should realize we're beginning to see some wage rate increases. Uh, the last 12 months, average hourly earnings are up 2.6%. It's not a big number, but it's the biggest number in 10 years. So we're moving higher. When the unemployment rate in the U.S. gets down to 5%, U3 unemployment, as the government calls it, whenever we get there, wage rates always begin to move higher. I think we will get some more wage rates. Uh, you know, I'm not looking for five, six, seven, but I think we'll see uh, in the course of the next year or two, we'll climb above that 3% per annum mark. Hmm. Okay. Now, number four, because we're watching time. For the first time in almost 40 years, U.S. equities experience a single-digit percentage change for the second year in a row. Now, I'm going to couch this with your number five. Because I'm going to click number five from a negative, which you had given us a report earlier. I think you're going to say probably that number five out stocks are outperforming bonds for the fifth consecutive year. Year you had said maybe not because up to June 30th is when you actually did this. I think July may have changed that. What do you think? Four and five yep, together. Uh, yep. Uh, so the point of number four is. Small changes in the markets don't happen all that often, and, and they haven't happened back-to-back -back years in four decades. It's pretty amazing. Stocks more commonly go up a double-digit percentage or sadly down a double-digit percentage than, than uh, you know, between minus 10 and plus 10. That's that one. Uh, I, I like your comment on, uh, on number five. There's no question one of the big surprises to me is I can uh, sit here and talk to you and say stocks are beating bonds here today. I thought we would get that one wrong, but uh, quietly the stock market's made new highs and bonds have stopped, uh, stopped going up and interest rates have stopped going down. So I think we're going to get that one right, Jim. Yeah, I think it's uh, good. It'll be, it'll be the fifth year in a row. People think bonds have been great. They have been good, but stocks have been better five years in a row. Five years in a row. And, uh, you know, all I'm doing is holding my breath through August is the, is the key. <laughs> here, and, uh, here. If we could do that, then I think the fourth quarter, third and the last part of the third quarter, fourth quarter, we could be – pretty uh, optimistic about the market. And Jim, I think, uh, you know, just going back to number four briefly, for our clients and the people that we talk to, doesn't that just say, you know, stocks are inherently volatile, have never had two years in a row of single-digit numbers in 40 years. Yeah, 40 you know, years. we have double-digit swings, but, you know, we've also gained over 200% since the lows of March of 2009. Right. Exactly. So it's just a mindset. It's what we have to believe as a right. fundamental. Bob does a great job of couching that. If you just tune in, Bob Dahl is our guest. He's the Senior Portfolio Manager, Chief Equity Strategist. Strategist for Nuveen Asset Management. We're pleased to have him on the program. He's a frequent guest, and we thank him so much for that. We'll be back in just a minute because we're going to talk more about the next five predictions. Some surprises, some that he just nails so perfectly. But uh, looking forward to it. Bob Dahl, we'll be right back after this. Neither Securian Financial Services Incorporated nor Shoemaker Financial are affiliated with Bob Dahl or Nuveen Investments. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Podcasts of the Talk Money program are available for iOS mobile devices. Go to the iTunes store and search for Shoemaker Financial. Talk Money will return right after this. The Osgood File, sponsored by the U.S. Postal Service, with expert onboarding specialists to help you find and implement the right return solution for your business. This is Charles Osgood. 
Job interviews can be stressful. Some people prepare for an interview by practicing with another person who asks them some questions that a real employer would probably ask. Well, there is now a virtual reality program that helps veterans to practice for job interviews, as our CBS News colleague Danielle Nottingham tells us. David Ornelas is trying to land his first job outside of the Air Force. They come out of the service. It's hard to find a job. Definitely a process. It's nice to meet you. Why don't you start by telling me a little about yourself? Sure. Uh, my name's David. I just recently separated from the service. The veteran is practicing interview skills with the virtual interactive training agent. More about that after this. Here's a small business success story sponsored by the U.S. Postal Service. Stitch Fix offers fashion for women on the go, selected by stylists and delivered to your door. To quote Chief Operating Officer Julie Bornstein, our entire business is centered on making shopping more convenient. So it was vital to select a shipping provider that could provide that level of service. Julie knows when you rely on the U.S. Postal Service, your business becomes their business. The U.S. Postal Service. Priority you. Why should you trust in the U.S. Postal Service to deliver for your business? Because when you ship with us, your business becomes our business. Whether you have three employees or 300, you'll have a nationwide fleet of delivery trucks working for you. We make more e-commerce deliveries to homes than anyone else in the country. See what we can do for you at usps.com slash forbusiness. The United States Postal Service. Priority, you. The virtual reality program that helps veterans to sharpen their job interview skills began as something else, says Danielle Nottingham. The program was created at the University of Southern California to help autistic job applicants handle an interview. The developers then realized it could benefit veterans, too. Says Skip Rizzo of USC's Institute for Creative Technologies. Job interviews are challenging for anybody. With veterans, there's additional challenges, particularly if they don't know how to represent what they learned in the military for the civilian job. So how does a virtual interactive training agent work? Users choose from six virtual humans. A microphone picks up the user's response to questions and a camera records the performance. Users can change the setting of the interview and the interviewer's temperament, soft, neutral, or hostile. You'll be hearing from me if you get the job. Okay, thank you. As for David Ornelas? Ornelas has already been offered a job in administration and credits the program with sharpening his communication skills. The Osgood File. This is Charles Osgood on the CBS Radio Network. Baby boomer retirements just might be the key to a lot of economic woes, including less productivity, lower wages, and a smaller labor force. Researchers at Harvard and the Rand Corporation found productivity falls when experienced workers retire because all that knowledge walks out the door, leaving younger workers floundering. The younger ones also generally get paid less, accounting for today's smaller wage gains. Older workers have also become more physically capable over the last four decades, thanks to medical and other health advances. And with the increase in college enrollment since the 80s, today's older workers also tend to be more educated. Lead-based acid batteries are the oldest form of rechargeable battery and still in widespread use, still in cars, among other places, but they contain toxic compounds, making recycling expensive. So California's legislature is moving to charge buyers a fee at the point of sale, the money used to clean up toxicity. But Republican Senator Patricia Bates calls that misguided. I would prefer to see us move with incentives for manufacturers to find a better way because uh, just 
collecting fees to clean up sites, it still means that people are being, you know, harmed by uh, what's left in the soil. Dish TV is offering a new scaled-down package of channels, Jeff Knox reports. The satellite TV service is now offering a 50-channel bundle for 40 bucks a month. It's an effort to compete with streaming services such as Hulu that are also coming out with $40 limited packages. The average Dish Network customer bill now is about $90 a month. The 40 buck package will not include ESPN, but for another 10 bucks, you can add that along with Fox Sports 1 and several others. You can also customize your bundle in other ways for between 4 and $10 more. I'm Jeff Knox. And the newest taste sensation in cereals coming out for the fall season, Pumpkin Spiced Cheerios. General Mills plans to roll it out late this month or early next and sell it through December. A company spokesman says they came up with the Pumpkin Spiced Cheerios during a brainstorming session, and it seemed like an obvious seasonal choice. That's your consumer and business update from NBC News Radio. I'm Joe McConnell. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the listener as research or investment advice regarding any funds or stocks in particular, nor should it be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. If you have financial questions that you would like answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. Bob Dahl, Senior Portfolio Manager of Chief Equity Strategist with UVN Asset Management is our guest today. Bob, when, when we were talking, we just covered the, your predictions, which everybody knows you have been tremendous at, at making predictions, your history, basically. And, and part of your reputation is not only that you can make them, you're pretty good. <laughs> you're accurate with it. And uh, that's what we appreciate. Somebody who's willing to take that, because you could get kind of beat up and, eh, what is Bob Dahl? No, really, but no. But hey, you do a great job with it. We thank you for that. And I think a lot of people appreciate that the fact that you do take that risk, if you might say, but it's always good information. At the beginning of the year, and, and recently you talked, to, you know, you go through all your analysis. Give us a little bit of what you do to make, I mean, just you don't just sit down one day and open your crystal ball and say, here's what I think. You do quite a bit of research. Can you give me a little bit of the insight of what takes place with you, your team, and how these predictions come together? Yeah, it's a fascinating process. So obviously, I'm thinking about these things all the time. It's my job as a portfolio manager. Um, that's why I spend most of my time doing management, managing large cap U.S. equities. And out of that come thoughts about the general environment. About end of October, I start ripping things out of research papers and magazines, and I make a huge pile. And then the uh, I set aside a week uh, about the middle of December where I try to keep my calendar as clear as possible. And I'll literally take this big pile and make sub-piles, one on earnings, one on interest rates, one on sector performance. And all of a sudden, i got these big piles sitting on the floor, and then we begin to go through them and say, okay, what makes sense? And I make a list of, oh, 20, 25 possible predictions. Sometimes they're a little overlapping. And then the process of narrowing down the 10. Importantly, that we didn't get right, but the hardest part is that we can live with all year long knowing we're going to get some wrong. That's the process. And then, of course, we do research to, to create a slide package and a bunch of uh, uh, back, background information to support them, uh, guys. 
I know, Keith, that just burst your bubble. Did you thought he had a crystal ball, didn't you? Oh, uh, well, I assumed he did. Because you wanted us to buy one, just like what he's got. It's no crystal ball. Keith. No, I know this is a work or, uh, or just a result a of a lot of, of hard work. But the yeah. key is we try to understand it. Our job is to convey it to the client. Now, we're not trying to, you know, again, we talk about Bob's predictions all year long to right. a lot of people. But at the same time, we know that, you know, there are going to be some that he gets absolutely correct. There are going to be some that he's not going to get. That's okay. We live with that. But at least we have an idea and we think about I appreciate so much what he does. And we think about it all the time. Now, let yeah, me Jim, this. it's one of the quotes that I use a lot, and it's Niels Bohr, a Nobel laureate, and he said, prediction is hard, especially when it's about the future. Uh, <laughs> especially yeah. when it's about... You've kind of summarized here in the mid, you know, in the in the idea of the first half, that uh, you would divide the first half of the year into three parts. You know, the first six weeks, you talked about deflation fears uh, resulting in some sharp, sharp sell-off. What was the second and the third one? Because I think it's kind of a good benchmark for us to start with. The second one yeah, the, the second one was February 11th, 1800 level on the S&P to mid-April. In two months, the stock market in the U.S. went up over 15%, almost nonstop. As people said, we're not going to have a recession. China's not going to uh, fall into the sea. And all the things that people over-worried about, which we typically do. And then the third piece was kind of uh, mid-April to let's call it the end of the quarter, where the market essentially went flat. Of course, we have the Brexit sell-off and recovery contained in that. So that's what the first half looked like. In fact, the first quarter, Jim, is the only quarter in U.S. stock market history where the market went down a double-digit percentage, up a double-digit percentage, and ended up basically where it started, frustrating the bulls and the bears, as we said earlier. As you said earlier. Well, they call that volatility. And the market is, uh, middle name is volatility. And yet volatility, as Bob just said, occurs two ways. Down, that's volatility. Up. Yeah, volatility. I like the upside volatility. Well, we do. But you know what? It, it, we know what happens to the emotional investor. That down volatility, they get fearful, they get concerned, right. and they make sometimes emotional decisions that are not always to their best interest. But if they could understand what goes down, comes up. And it, that that particular period he's talking about, the first quarter was a very strong V. And he said, first time in history. Let's get back to what we're interested in. I am just excited about the next five. Predictions and let's do number five. You tell us pretty much your thoughts because you nailed it. Non-U.S. equities outperformed domestic equities, while non-U.S. fixed income outperforms domestic fixed income. Now I said you hit that. It's not a negative. It's not a no. It's a question mark. We don't know yet. What's your thoughts, Bob? Yeah, I think by the end of the year we'll get the bond part of that right. That is, the non-U.S. bonds will beat U.S. bonds, uh, but we'll probably get the stock part wrong. Look. The U.S. economy and earnings, if I can put it that way, um, were mediocre. It's mediocre at best. There's no question about that. We discussed that earlier. But overseas, it's worse than mediocre. That makes us the best house in a bad neighborhood. U.S. stock market has outperformed non-U.S. Uh, markets in, in, as a group um, for uh, for seven years running. It's amazing. Despite our problems, our markets have been good. Yeah, and that's that is amazing because – it seems like year after year, we kind of talk ourselves into saying, okay, non-U.S., we've got to have a year. Uh, if you go back to the beginning of the you know the century, 
we saw the outperforming of the, you know, Europe, Europe outperformed us. And it was kind of a sluggish U.S. type of uh, growth period. US, the, Europe did great, or let's just say non-U.S. did great. And now we've seen just the opposite. And every year I, I kind of get up one morning and I say, OK, I think it, this may be the year. And it hasn't been. Well, every single day brings it one day closer, Jim. I mean, we always go back and think about from 2000 to 2010, there was a period of time where you had a negative average annual return in the S&P 500 for 10 years. Uh, You know, at some point, just the fundamentals make sense that the winners will rotate back towards Europe from the valuations, better growth prospects, all the things that that Bob always talks about. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's the thought. Bob, I guess that's something we keep just anticipating, and that's what you're saying. Yeah, the, 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 I mean, the reasons the U.S. has outperformed, one, our economy has done better than their economies. Two, commodities in the last bunch of years have gone down a lot, and that's a bigger headwind for things non-U.S. than the U.S. And number three, the dollars, the icing on the cake. The dollar's gone up in the last few years, yep. and that usually means your market's outperformed. We've got to slay those dragons, if you will, uh, before non-U.S. can outperform. Information, number seven, information, technology, financials, and telecommunication services will outperform energy, materials, and utilities. And this is one that Crystal Ball said, and it's not doing that. Why is that? I mean, I know it's not one that you're hitting, but why? Every year we do, you know, three sectors we like versus three sectors we don't. Last year it was uh, the one we got most right, if you will. This year is the one we're getting most wrong. The commodity sectors, the energy and materials groups, we all know in the first half of the year did quite well. They're selling off at the moment because oil has been been, been sloppy, as you know. But that's the main reason. And the financials on the positive side have lagged um, for some of the reasons we talked about earlier on. We're talking about the European banks. So um, we're getting our sector calls wrong. Uh, We're still, for the second half, thinking that's the right way to be positioned. Uh, but we got a long way to go to get it right for the full year. Number eight, because number eight, I think I would have, uh, you know, those are, I, you've hit that. It, it's amazing. And I, I really want to know your take on it, because here's the, here's number eight, geopolitical politics, terrorism, and cyber attacks continue to haunt investors but have little market impact. When I read that in January, I thought, you know, I just, we, we're going to react to that. Yet, is it because all of this that's taken place it seems like it's it's is it coming becoming second nature to us, Bob? Is that what you were thinking in January? Yeah, sadly so. I mean, you know, I, didn't, I obviously didn't think we'd have so much terrorism, um, uh, but you know, w- w- when somebody um, uh, gets killed at the hands of uh, somebody who pretends to be our enemy, we we're horrified. And when else happens on the next day, we don't like it so much. The third day, we say, well, I guess this is the way the world's going. And we have sadly become to, numb to that and solve markets. Oh, and that, that is, I don't, know how, I don't know how to actually feel about that. I mean, I don't ever want us to get to the point where we just take it for granted and it's a part of our culture. But I've been to Israel a couple of times. I've been to Turkey, uh, you know, to, the, to that area, to Greece, to, to some of that just general area. I have not been to Middle East, obviously, but the reality is, I mean, they've taken it for granted. Israel lives with it. And is that where we're headed, you feel, that we're just going to have to learn to live with it? Yeah, it's, you know, I don't want to overdo the tourism part because, you know, cyber attacks are a big deal, too. And the, the, the longer, as the world gets smaller, geopolitical issues, technology, all of that stuff bring these things um, to the fore. And the evil in the world is uh, is manifest itself. And, um 
it's 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 the condition that we uh, we find ourselves in, and the question is, are we going to stay resilient? Obviously, the perpetrators, in many cases, kind of want us to put our head under the desk and not come back out. Well, that's that's probably the the, the key that we're living with today, and that, that's a sad day, but that's that's reality. You had predicted again uh, uh, that you had said that if we could do some smart tax and regulatory perform, you know, re- reform, that would uh, really change our GDP. If that happened, then we could begin to effectively, as we saw in the 90s, pay off some of our federal federal budget. But you predicted with number nine, the federal budget deficit rises in dollars. As a and as a percentage of GDP for the first time in seven years, that's a, you're on track with that one. That looks like that's going to be a home run. And yet, two smart things to do: tax and regulatory reform, corporate regulatory reform, would allow us to see our GDP jump. Uh, you, you talked about fifty basis points for each one of those. That's a good solid one percent. Those are things that man, it doesn't seem like that's rocket science. That was simple. No, it doesn't. No, you just take the corporate tax reform one. The Republicans want to do it, and the tax and the and the Democrats w- want to do it. The problem is politics. They can't agree on what's the tax rate on the repatriated earnings from uh, the U.S. foreign multinationals. The Republicans and Paul Ryan want some low number, and the president and Democrats want some high number. And the bid and ask is just too far apart, so we have to wait to the next election and hopefully get a compromise. But you feel like that that's one that we will see. That will begin to come to fruition, and we will see it over. You said it's the first time in seven years we've seen that at the rise, and until yeah. we, until so, we get a so, change. So in, in there is a positive. A lot of people miss that the U.S. federal budget deficit has come down a whopping amount in the last uh, seven years. Now, it started at a very high number, so thank goodness it came down. It's still not a low number, but lower than where it was. Okay. All right. That's important. If you just tuned in, Bob Dahl is the Senior Portfolio Manager, Chief Equity Strategist with Nuveen Asset Management, a frequent guest of ours here on Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and my co-host this morning is uh, Keith Quinn. And we're talking about Bob's his 10 predictions and his scoring. Uh, you know, it's it's one thing to make the predictions. But then you have to score. You have to stand up to it. That's right. Answer for it. <laughs> and he does a good job <laughs> with that. All right. Number 10. And, and by the way, Keith's anxious about this one. You Republicans retain the House and the Senate and capture the White House. Tough Again, prediction written, in January. Yeah. <laughs> written before the primaries <laughs> were over. Before the primaries. <laughs> written before, well, just the last six months. All right. I'm anxious to hear. Keith's anxious to hear. We're listening, Bob. Yeah, so uh, my my view is if I marked that one the market, quote unquote, we'd change the wording. Uh, <laughs> That's a great way to put it. I was one of uh, many who thought Donald Trump would uh, flame out, and uh, maybe he'll still flame out, but not the way we thought. Um, and uh, you know, Hillary Clinton um, is one of the weakest Democratic candidates, and the Democratic Party behind closed doors admits that. But the Republicans have put up someone who. Um, uh, you know, as such high negatives that um, you know, if the election were held today, Hillary Clinton would beat Donald Trump. Uh, so I think that's two chances out of three she will she will win. Uh, and the Senate is very much in the balance. It likely goes Democratic if um, Hillary wins. The, the Republicans uh, probably retain the House. It will take a landslide Hillary win uh, for the House to switch. So I don't think so. So I think for the markets, they're going to wake up to. Divided government and divided government historically has not been a bad thing at all. 
Um, so I think the market will shrug it off and move on. Yeah, that's kind of what I think a lot of people have been extremely concerned about either candidate, which, which uh, you know, one gets it, this is bad, one gets it, this is good. Or, But reality, you said it right, and I think everybody knows this, or at least they need to think this way. Divided government is pretty much status quo. It is the check and the balance. It is, it is what we function, I think, somewhat together as a country. It's not always the best thing, but the market looks at it as, okay, ho-hum, that's what's going to happen. We continue to go. That's what you're saying. Here, here. You got it. And divided government is great, but the and I think Bob hit on it. The problem has been that we can't get cooperation. We can't come to an agreement on anything. And I think, you know, I lay a lot of this at President Obama's feet. He hasn't done a great job of reaching out to the Republicans and building a consensus. I mean, you go back to Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill, you know, how they would work out deals. And I just don't think he's shown the willingness or the ability to do that. And I think that's yeah, Ron, re- that's Ronald really hurt Reagan, us. Tip, Ronald Reagan, uh, Tip O'Neill, and uh, Bill Clinton and Newt Gingrich. They, Absolutely. Both those pairs uh, got a lot done. Yeah. Uh, whether you like her or not, or not, Hillary Clinton probably is a better compromiser than Barack Obama. We do need some things done. So if she elected president, let's hope uh, there's some compromises. She might look at her husband because he went from the left to the middle. Maybe she'll follow suit. That If she can govern from the middle, which that would be good, I think then you could get if Paul Ryan can sustain his position. So that's going well, to be. I think he will. But I think uh, I think, you know, Bob had said something really key. And I think Hillary, a lot of people would say, and I wouldn't necessarily echo that, but they would say Hillary's all about Hillary. And guess what? GDP growth cures a lot of ills. Uh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Bob, can you summarize for us? We have just a few seconds here. Yeah, other than buy low, sell high. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yeah, yeah, that's a good summary. Maybe I should quit while I'm ahead. Uh, look, I think it's going to continue to be uh, um, the bulls run and then the bears run. And uh, to win in a flattish market, you got to step up when nobody wants them. And when, when things get complacent, you got to let a little go. And I think that's the environment we find ourselves. Keep, keep your eye on the long term. Well, yeah, that's always good, solid advice. Great predictions. Always great to review these with you in the mid-year. Look forward to doing some more with you in January. Maybe we'll, at this point, look at the new predictions about what Bob has to do. Bob Dahl, Senior Portfolio Manager, Chief Equity Strategist with Nuveen Asset Management. Thank you, Bob. Have a great day, sir. All the best. Well, if you just tuned in again, I'm Keith. I'm Jim Shoemaker with Keith Quinn, and we're talking, had been talking with Bob Dole. When we come back, we're going to talk about some ways to avoid some ideals of retirement, some key themes for investors. That's going to be kind of our topic, so stay with us. We'll be right back after this. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Helping you make the most of your money, Talk Money will return right after this. The Peabody Hotel is a landmark virtually synonymous with the South. Like so much of Memphis life in the 1960s, the hotel's beginnings were surrounded by the joys and sorrows life brings. Saddened by the news of his good friend George Peabody's death, the hotel's builder, Colonel Robert Brinkley, named his new building after his friend. Brinkley later gave the hotel to his daughter as a wedding gift. Though the hotel remained in the hands of the Brinkley-Snowden family for decades, it was forced to close and reopen before settling on its present location on Union Avenue in 1925. Since that time, the Peabody has been an important center of culture, not only for Memphis and the Mid-South, but for the whole United States. 
During the 30s and 40s, the hotel hosted one of just three live national radio broadcasts, while the Skyway and Plantation Roof were an attraction for the great big band dancers. But the hotel's greatest and most enduring feature will always be the Duck March. This has been another Mid-South History Moment, brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. Right now we have a wreck off to the side of the roadway on eastbound 240 at Lamar. That is not causing a delay. That's eastbound 240 at Lamar. And road work will slow you down today on east and westbound Highway 385 at Winchester. Crews will be out there working until 2 p.m. This report is brought to you by Unbound. There's a girl in El Salvador who dreams of becoming an engineer. There's an elder in Uganda who dreams of having a community to call his own. No two dreams are the same. Help one person achieve theirs at unbound.org. I'm Heather York with Traffic on AM 990. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the listener as research or investment advice regarding any funds or stocks in particular, nor should it be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Helping you make the most of your money, this is Talk Money. Welcome back. I'm Jim Schumacher along with Keith Quinn. We've been talking to Bob Dahl, and uh, it's it's good to get his, t- his advice and his thought process. He's always good for us, Keith, and I think I so much appreciate him. And, you know, if you're a first-time listener, you get a little flavor for the program. We talk about the economy and have guests like Bob Dahl on the program, and then we kind of try to dive in. And Keith and I are going to give you some ideas today, some thoughts about some key themes that, that you need to think about, some thoughts that as an investor – you know, here's some, you know, four or five, whatever. We kind of go through that about the ideas about what you're looking for and what to do. So literally, Keith, I know we think that stocks are going to outperform bonds. That's just right. a fundamental long term. We actually kind of Bob kind of alluded to that several times during the program. But let's talk about that. If you're an investor and your risk tolerance meets the standard that you can handle stocks and not everybody you know some people are income and so they need to have maybe a bond portfolio sure but with some stocks in it give us your thoughts on on stocks and bonds well uh, one of the reasons you need stocks is you need stocks for the long-term growth characteristics so you think about going into retirement one of the biggest enemies in retirement is inflation because guess what it does it eats into your retirement income eats into your cash flow over time we've seen that stocks give you the opportunity to grow your portfolio and outpace inflation so that's one of the things that you need to think about now how much stocks you should have in totally depends on each individual situation it's how much time you have How much can you tolerate the volatility in the market? If you wanted to sell out of stocks after the first six weeks of this year, the worst first six weeks we've ever had, then stocks are too aggressive for you. They're too volatile. And that's a very real thing. So it's one of those things we have to think about. But for people in retirement, and remember, when you're hitting retirement now, you're talking about potentially having to fund a 20-year, 30-year retirement. So you have got a long time horizon, and you need the growth that comes from owning stocks. And Keith Quinn, for those who have just tuned in, though, Keith Quinn, of course, is our, is our director of our investment group in, at the office and does a wonderful job. And if you ever got a question for Keith, just give him a call, 757-5757. Great insight. Call the office. If you need to meet an advisor, give me a call. I'll be glad to introduce you to an advisor. One of the thoughts about equities is leadership, the shifting right. of this leadership, what Paul was, Bob was talking about. What's your thoughts on that? 
Right, and we didn't get into that that much with Bob, but one of the things we saw, for example, is we saw last year in 2015, growth stocks far outpaced value stocks. Basically a double-digit return. Value stocks were a little bit negative. And then this year, we see just the opposite. Value stocks have been outpacing growth stocks. I mean, now, again, almost by the – I mean, it's a totally shift. Right. And if you think Bob Dahl doesn't have a crystal ball, I can promise you I don't. <laughs> so it's one of those things where we want to own some of both of those. We want to own good quality companies and own them for a long time. Okay, so that's important. So we've talked about overweighting in equities, but be careful. Make sure it meets your risk tolerance. And then understand that, that sectors change. Yeah, don't chase the winners. Don't chase the one that just because it was the best that's performer last point, year. Because we always look at who was the best one last year, the number one stock. It's invariably this following year, it'll be somewhere down in that lower market side. Right. The number one stock last year on the S&P 500 gained 134%. I knew you would know this, so go ahead. <laughs> the same stock this year through the end of July has lost 20% making it 481st out of the 500 stocks in the S&P so 500. last year, From over first to worst. First to worst. I mean, it's, uh, so that's what you're talking about is literally be careful. Don't get caught up every year because you, if you chase it, you lose. That's right. You just don't try and time the inherently volatile market because there's too many things that drive it that aren't tied to fundamentals. But number three in, the, in our thought process, this is basically key themes for us as investors, that selectivity matters. It absolutely does. So it's one of those things we want to be very deliberate and very intentional about where we're investing. On the stock side, you know, we want to have a little bit of international exposure. We realize that even with everything going on with the Brexit or the European Central Bank, there are still good quality country, uh, companies that we potentially want to own. Also keeping in mind that a lot of the companies we own are multinational. So it's not necessarily where a company's domiciled as much as it is where they're getting their revenue from. So taking all these things into consideration and being very selective about what we own. What about fixed income in that area? Same thing. You know, Bob had said that non-U.S. Uh, uh, fixed income has outperformed U.S. fixed income this year. It's one of those things where, again, we want to diversify. We want to be very careful. What kind of fixed income are we talking about? Are we owning corporate bonds? Are we owning mortgage-backed securities? Do we have foreign sovereign debt? We want to diversify our portfolio. And he actually talked about world bonds. Absolutely. Will outperform, should outperform. And domestic. world bonds have. They're up over 10%, so they've yeah. done really well this year. Yeah. And then fourth but not least, uh, you know, be sure that you play multiple Think through your alternatives, multiple roles. What do you think? You want to own some real assets. You want to own some things like real estate or real estate investment trust. These are good, solid parts of a portfolio that typically don't move uh, totally in lockstep with stocks, so it gives you a little bit of benefits from correlation. And again, just where you're deriving your revenue from, from different areas of the market, because without that crystal ball, I can't for sure tell you what's going to be the best performer in the next 12 months. I was looking at something recently on a 20-year, you know, what had happened in the last 20 years with the sectors, right. and real estate had done that biggest problem. So Absolutely. That's, a, that's an issue for us. Well, if you just tuned in, this has been Talk Money. My producer and board operators, John McCommon, guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner, production assistant I'm Jim Shoemaker. Jim Shoemaker is a registered representative and investment advisor representative of Securian Financial Services Incorporated, securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.